everyone and welcome to the very first episode for 2024 of Life of Brian dot 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 Mannix that is and here he is in 2024 for the very first time ladies and gentlemen Brian Mannix. Oh hello Kev and hello to you listening and how's 2024 going Kev? Good so far I, I haven't got a lot of complaints so far um, I'm enjoying it what about for you how has it, how has it started for you? Well, not bad. Um, I reckon 2023 was a – I don't don't know. When I look back on it, I don't think 2023 was much of a year really. Um, So I'm hoping for big things and so far it's been pretty good. So, But, yeah, I think – I'm hoping 2024 will be better than 2023. That's the aim every year, isn't it, that we try and do everything a little better, enjoy our life a little more and uh, and make the most of the time that we have. Well, that's exactly right, and um, I well, I you know, I probably enjoyed life more in twenty three than I did in twenty two, but I don't think I enjoyed life enough. I think I need to enjoy life more <laughs> in twenty four than twenty three and twenty two. Yeah, yep, that sounds fair to me. Well, we're going to uh, kick off the year with uh, again. Uh, we must say, with thanks to our very good friends at Murcott's uh, Driving Excellence, who are just terrific people. They're people whose heart is in the right place because they're trying to make the roads safer for everybody. So we're happy uh, that they're involved with us again in uh, in twenty twenty four. So thanks to Mark and uh, all the team at Murcott's for getting behind us again this year. Good on you, Mark, and all of the team at Murcott's. And um, if, should I give them the number, Kevin? They I wanted to. Re- I think it should be. We should be talking about that number uh, all the time. That should be ingrained. Well, I know it's ingrained in your mind. <laughs> well, I tell you what, this show's this show's starting to sound like a math contest or something. We've been talking. 22, 23, 24. And now we're going to say, if you want to go to Murcotts, go 1300 555 576. That number again, Kev, 1300 555 576. Murcotts.edu.au. Uh, they've uh, had a terrific uh, time over Christmas and the New Year with uh, some of those uh, fabulous courses that they've got going. They will continue, of course, into 2024. So make sure you and the people that you love are better drivers, safer on the roads, and get home safely. That's what we all want. Simple as that. Yeah. Exactly right, and uh, the roads are no place to uh, muck around. It's time to be very serious when you're on the road. Absolutely. Now let's uh, talk about who we got on the program. Felix Cavalieri, I had a chat to. He's the lead singer of the Rascals. Now remember the Young Rascals, uh, grooving, massive song. Um, uh, let, well, I'll tell you what we'll do. Uh, have a little listen to here is here is uh, just a, a sprinkling of uh, the songs that the Rascals had uh, in their in their amazing uh, career, which was very short but amazing career. Have a listen. All right.
But I feel I'll soon find out I'm sure never felt this secure It's nothing like I ever thought it would be Someone opened up a door for me A girl like me So there you go, and that's, and that's the songs uh, that, uh, you know, they had massive hits with. Uh, the cover versions of the Rascal songs, um, you'd remember David Cassidy's How Can I Be Sure? Yeah, absolutely I do. I learned to play that at guitar school, at Pasco Vale Guitar School. Um, yeah, it's amazing. They're a funny band, actually, because you, you hear those songs and you go, wow, I didn't realise that they were all their songs, you know, and... They're a much bigger band than I think people realise. People know the songs but not necessarily who sings them. Yep. Well, Felix was the keyboard player, the founder of the band and the, and the singer as well on, on a lot of the hit songs, so we're going to have a chat to him. And then we get to Jimmy Couples. Now, Jimmy's a terrific bloke uh, and uh, what a singer he is. Yeah. Wow. I, and, and, you know, and his record's great because it rocks. And um, there's not too many records out these days that rock. So I was I was very, I was very impressed with the song and um, and uh, Jimmy himself. Yeah, King Canyon's the name of the band that Jimmy's got going at the moment, uh, and it, it song's called Blacktop. You're going to hear it uh, in its entirety uh, towards the end of the show when we talk to Jimmy. But uh, as Brian said, uh, the minute the minute that I heard it, uh, I thought Brian's got to hear this. So I sent it yeah. straight to you, and the minute you heard it, we both went, "Let's get him on the show and talk about it because it's so good." Yeah, it's a ripper. Um, you know, if, if for those that haven't heard it yet. Um, if you like ACDC, you're probably going to like this. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a great song. So Jimmy Couple's coming up shortly. But first, let's get to the man uh, and we'll have a listen to uh, to Groovin' at the end of it. But here is Felix Cavalieri from The Rascals. woo Thank you for having a chat. Well, thank you for being there, my friend. Yes. A, it is an absolute thrill to speak to you. I've been a fan for years. Well, great. You look like you're a busy man there, huh? Uh, yeah, well, no, we've got a bit on. There's a bit going on. But, uh, look, I've been I've been looking forward to this and uh, and talking well, to you. Thank you. Um, thank you. You clearly still get a joy from the music that, that you've made and that you're making that uh, that, that you, just, you just love. Well, I appreciate that. That's very nice. You know, uh, I really have never had the pleasure of coming to Australia, you know, and uh, I really uh, – uh, missed out on that you know our group was just before people started coming over there we broke up you know which is a shame it was a very short window of uh for the impact that you made uh as a band it was a it's a very short window of time really wasn't it yeah you know the time uh, went really quickly you know and unfortunately you know we 
we kind of dis uh, what's the word I should we disintegrated internally, which yeah. is kind of a shame, you know, because uh, uh, I think it was premature. I think we had a lot more left in the tank, you know, as a group. But uh, I always equate it to well, uh, if one of the tires in your auto decides to take a a, a, a spin by itself, you know, <laughs> the, the rest of the car really has a difficult time staying afloat. There's a lot of, I mean, there was a million bands around in that in that uh, mid to late part of the '60s, and and you know, a million uh, hit singles and that. Uh, are you are you are you proud of the fact of how well your songs have travelled into into today? Absolutely, uh, you know. Uh, well, you know, as I say, the the initial idea. Uh, I don't know if you know my story because it was pretty interesting that uh, you know I started off pre med, you know. And I took a summer job with a band that I started in college. And as fate would have it, I, I worked in this in, in the in the Catskill Mountains. Uh, and the band uh, that, that came in uh, as a headliner was called Joey D and the Starlighters. One the Peppermint Twist. And so they came in and they saw me. And then, not even a month later, they went to Europe on a tour, and their organ player quit. He had just recently been married. So they called up and they asked if, if I would join them in Germany. I said yes. My parents said yes. I could give it a try. When I went over there, there was this group opening up for the uh, Joey D. No one had ever heard of them in America, at least to my knowledge. And I saw them and I was kind of and I was just enchanted. I said, wow, look, look at this. Uh, wow, this looks like a lot of fun. And you know what? I think I can do this. I had no idea of their songwriting prowess. You know, that that really was not evident at that point. Although when they did their songs, you really, really took notice, you know. So that's how it started. But my, my idea was to, I see, they, they look more like a singing group than a playing group. You know, I, I was really more impressed by their vocals than by their uh, musicianship. And uh, I said, how about if I put both together, have great musicians and great singers? And it worked. The Beatles, obviously, as you said, influenced everybody. Uh, the, you, everybody. You, got, you got a first-hand um, look at, uh, at, at how they went about it and how they did it. Yet, funnily enough, uh, the Rascals pretty much didn't have a bass player. Uh, so you, right. you're, kind of, you're, you're completely out of the norm in terms of what was the stock standard band of the time well that's the theory that i had was based around the hammond organ you know yeah. which had a bass you know uh as part of the uh you know the keyboard and the, and the pedals so uh at that time i didn't really think we needed we weren't a recording group yet you know uh live we didn't need it recording as you know as 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 the time period kind of like uh, warranted was getting more and more sophisticated. I mean, it was literally going from a mono world to a stereo world. And at that point is when we really got lucky and being on Atlantic Records, which was lucky to begin with, we had a, a, a stable of musicians that we could call to play, to sit in. Uh, one of them was Chuck Rainey, who was a, a member of the of King Curtis's band, who was just brilliant, brilliant. I mean, my foot retired as soon as he walked in the door. You know, that was it. You know, how did you get onto Atlantic Records? Because, uh, and I, I mean this in the nicest possible way, um, it was not a not a place where a lot of white 
acts were, and I think you were, in fact, were you the first one, first white act to get signed to Atlantic? Well, we were certainly on the red and black label, yes. So they had yeah. Sonny and Cher, you know, on ATCO, and I think they had Bobby Darren was also there. And the secret weapon was the fact that I wanted to produce the group. I, I wanted us to do our own music. And they were the only record company that would allow that. They 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 got what we were trying to do. They 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 understood what we were to do. Enhanced us, which was God given, by putting uh, two wonderful gentlemen in the room with us, uh, Arif Mardin and Tom Dowd. Yeah. So you couldn't ask for a better a better a better staff than that. But we were in charge. Just uh, having a few little uh, uh, buffering problems. Um. Basically, Tom Dowd and Arif Mardin uh, cut their chops working with you guys, didn't they? Well, uh, to a degree. I mean, I, I think Tom Dowd had established himself uh, as an engineer, uh, maybe not as a producer, as an engineer prior to us getting there. Arif was kind of new to the label, you know, and they were just exposing his enormous talent to the artists that were on the label. You know, I, I, I think the, the production element was not as uh, uh, well-known at that time. You know, I mean, Tom was an engineer and a brilliant engineer, you know. And uh, I think that after that, after, after working with us, uh, they realized, they being Atlantic, and he realized, man, I could uh, I could really contribute to a lot of the people that you have on the label. So he, he did jump into that. Uh, uh, Arif was a brilliant arranger. Mm. You know, and so being a brilliant arranger really helped with being a brilliant producer. So the two of those together for was like was like a master's course. And uh, I enjoyed every moment of it because, first of all, they were great people, great people. I mean, their ego was 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 not present, you know, and uh, uh, I, I learned so much as to how to not only to do the craft, but the way to present yourself to artists. You know, because we were four young guys in there, we, we, we probably drove them pretty crazy, you know. <laughs> but uh, Tom left after a short period of time because, as I say, he, he jumped into greater things. Arif stayed, and thank God, because he was our George Martin, you know. He was yeah. just phenomenal. Uh, did Phil Spector want to ever produce you in the early days? Is that a story I heard that yes. that's true? Yeah, yes, he did, and I, I was a huge fan uh, of his, uh, it was really difficult to say no, but again, we would not have been the rascals. We would have been the Phil Spectors. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was encompassing. He even did it with Paul McCartney, you know, <laughs> with the, the long and winding road. You know, that really sounds like Phil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, good loving was the first one that went bang for you. Um, right. And, and most people think it's a, it's a rascal song, but it's actually, it's not a rascal song. Uh, where did you find that one? Well, you know, the, the, the way things were in those days, the clubs, uh, they did not really want us to, uh, do what they called originals. They were adamant about having what they call covers, top 40 or otherwise. So, I would listen to like radio programs and hear these obscure songs that were not originals. They were covers, but they may not have been hits. See, and that's how I found Good Love and that's how I found Mustang Sally. Uh, I found a lot of songs that were like on the R and B stations 
that uh, never crossed over, you know. And I would have to literally buy the 45 to prove in some uh, cases that, you know, no, this is not mine. Look, you see, you uh, know, <laughs> and uh, it paid off. The songwriting, did that did that develop naturally? Is that something you, you had to work hard at or, or did uh, – and, and the partnership you had, uh, did, did, did that all yeah. come together – fairly easily once the band sort of started to get some momentum? It came together fairly easily, yeah, because of the fact that, you know, you had this this beacon of light from the Beatles and the Stones yeah. and the Kinks and the Love and Spoonful that were writing their own material. And that beacon was something that I really wanted to follow. I just wanted the opportunity, you know. Uh, you know, as, as, a, as, as, a, as a pianist, I, I started classically... I started creating very early. You know, I, I, I noticed that the music that I was playing was quite old. You know? <laughs> so I was playing all this, these, these really oldies, but goodies, you know, and so I, I kind of rebelled against that. I, I, I felt this creative spark from an early age. And, um, so when the time warranted, when it, when it, when it was open because we had a number one record, Started to write, you know, I started to write, started to present them, you know, because we were, as I say, kind of in charge, you know, and it was tough. It was, t- I tell you what was tough was getting a hit, making a hit, writing a hit. You know, it's not hard writing, but getting a song that climbed the charts, that was not easy. Well, you managed to run a fair few. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were Jeez. very lucky, as I say. You know, they they the record companies demanded two albums a year in those yeah. days. That's a lot of work. Yeah. Where did Groovin come from? Well, uh, I like to tell the story about you know the fact that uh, musicians work on Friday and Saturday nights normally, and that I've yet to find a woman that really thought that was a great idea. You know, so <laughs> the time to be with your loved one, and I was really madly in love at that time, was Sunday afternoon. So grooving on a Sunday afternoon came from that. Wow. The music, was the, was the music something that had been hanging around for a while or was it uh, something that developed? What what came first with that one, the the, the lyrics, the, the music? Well, the music always came first with me. You yeah, know, the music I would sit down and, and uh, you know, coming from a New York area, uh, we got a tremendous Latin influence. Tremendous. And, uh, you know, you, you, you couldn't really get too far out the, the car door without hearing some congas and some bongos. So <laughs> that, that really influenced me. And then there's, there's a tradition kind of like, uh, amongst a lot of the Latin people on the weekends. They, they go to the parks and they have these big picnics and kind of like, uh, you know, fish fries and barbecues and things like that. So it, it was a perfect thing for a Sunday afternoon. And then the music just fit right, fell right into place. Yeah, it's a song that has travelled beautifully, hasn't it? I mean, it still sounds crisp and clean and just uh, and fresh as whenever you hear it, even now. Well, I, you know, I, as I say, I really have to attribute that to, to Atlantic Records. You know, they they had an environment there. Uh, it was so creative. A little studio that happened to be the only eight track besides Les Paul in the, in the world at that time, you know, and they just made it very easy for you to make good music. I mean, as long as you were selling product, we had free studio time. We could yeah. stay there forever. And, uh, I really, really am very grateful for that. I'll tell you. 
the dynamic of the band at that stage, uh, you, you said, you know, you're four young uh, blokes coming through and having a good time and obviously uh, enjoying success. How did, how did the dynamic of the band change in that, in that very short window of time that you, that yeah. the rascals were around? Well, you know, the, uh, the difficult part is, is to control everyone's egos because I, I really felt I had four alpha personalities. Mm. You know, I had people that basically, with the exception of Eddie, who was very young, were, were the leaders of their band, were the front men of their band. It was hard to keep that in check. Someone had to do it. And of course, Arif was a tremendous help with that. But a lot of times it fell on me. And it, it caused a lot of uh, adversity, caused a lot of difficulty. You know, when, when you're writing songs, um, like for example, uh, someone had to tell George that the song wasn't going to be on the album. You know, that was difficult. That was really difficult. And it, it, it created some, some hard feelings. Uh, and, uh, fortunately, uh, we able to survive to a degree. But that's really some problem, big problem. What, what, I, what I did was, uh, uh, Dino, our drummer who just recently passed, he developed into a great artist. So we were able to give him like the uh, album covers and the publicity that kept him kind of quiet for a while. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, it, it was a juggle. It was really interesting. I think that's part of the problem when you have, you know, talented people around you. Someone has to sort out the good and the weeds and the bad. Yeah. And that was difficult. Yeah. How was the, how was the relationship at the end with yourself and Eddie in the band? Unfortunately, not good. I'm sorry to say, you know, yeah. it, uh, it deteriorated to the point of where like, uh, Many, uh, I was just reading, uh, in the, uh, in the, in the, in the, in the papers, uh, online about, uh, Hall and Oates. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, it seems to have struck, stricken them as well. Uh, it, it's, it's something that I'm really not proud of. You know, I'm sorry about that because, um, we lived together in the early days. I mean, we, you know, we, we, we couldn't afford apartments. So we, we, and, and we, we shared like, you know, the whole, families would get together on the holidays and it really is something that uh you know as i say i i look at it kind of uh, uh shamefully i'm sorry that it ended up the way it did you had a, you've had a couple of reunions though over the years and uh, you know when you got uh, inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame in 1997 were, were, were relations you know okay then civil yeah yeah, okay. Well, that's one of the reasons that, uh, you know, I, I've always admired the English bands that hate one another and still work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that's, that to me is a, a sign of intelligence, you know. Yeah, I don't like the guy, but you know what? We, we, we make a lot of money together. We make good music together. People love us. Let's stay together. I, I really think that's, uh, something that we, uh, never really accomplished. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you look through the catalogue of, uh, of you know even just if you look at the hits, let alone all the all the songs that were on the albums, but you know, grooving people got to be free. Um, I, I personally always have loved Heaven as a song. I know it wasn't a massive oh, hit, but exactly. all, that's a good always, one. Yes, always thought that was an absolutely terrific song. But you know, how can I be sure? And uh, there's been so many of the songs that have been covered by you know recent artists. Divinals did a version of one of your songs uh, here in Australia, and. Uh, you know, Pat Benatar and David Cassidy. I mean, you, you've been covered by an unbelievable variety of, of acts over the years. How have you felt about some of those 
cover versions of the songs of yours? I love it. I mean, it's uh, one of the honors that that we got, that I got, that I really am proud of is the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Yeah, that was a big deal to me because, you know, the people who are in there, you know, they're very special. You know, they're Songwriters Hall of Fame doesn't have a museum. They don't. Ha- they're not televised. It's kind of a private thing. You know what I'm saying? That. Uh, the people who are in there, you know, many of which are not alive, but they're good, you yeah. know. And one of the reasons they're good is because other people can do their songs and 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 uh, do them well, you know. When Marvin Gaye did one of my songs, I mean, I flipped, you know. <laughs> Olivia Olivia Newton John, man, she did she did she did some of our stuff too, and Dusty Springfield and Aretha. It, it's really an honor, you know. That's how I look at it. Yeah. When you look back, do you see yourself now more as a songwriter or as a, uh, or, or do you not compartmentalize yourself in any particular thing? I'm just a musician and I do this and I do that. Well, I wanted to really, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee for that sole purpose. Of because this is uh, where I live now is this is really music city. This has become a place where they really appreciate uh the uh the the uh, the 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 creative part of the the business you know there's it's very alive and well here uh, unfortunately the way, what has happened with the songwriting is, is is kind of what's happening with the rest of not only the music industry but the world it's become a very corporate entity you know it's become a very div- divisive thing whereas you now have five or six people uh, on the credits for the song. I mean, you know, for example, the, the drum track is a writer. It's kind of difficult to make a living. You know? Yeah. <laughs> You've got all those people dividing up the spoils, which have also changed drastically as a result of all the streaming, you yeah. know, but, uh, I, 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 I still go out live, you know, and, uh, I still, um, you know, basically try to keep my chops up. And, and I just recently did another album, which was over COVID, which, uh, is another interesting story, story about over the COVID. I decided to do this album. Then and uh, now is the was, album you're talking about? Yes. And, uh, it was based on five, uh, songs that influenced me and we recorded and five new songs. And, and I, I chose a title and, you know, I kept twisting it around backwards then and now. Well, lo and behold, what does Mr. McCartney come out with? <laughs> he comes out with now and then. So I don't know if I'm on the right track or just, uh, I don't know. Maybe I should buy a lottery ticket. <laughs> <laughs> And you, you did. You paid homage to the people who were was such a, a big influence on you, like Jackie Wilson and, and 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 people like that. Oh yeah. You know, as I say, picking five songs that influenced you is almost impossible. Yeah. How about five hundred that influenced you? <laughs> you know, I had the good fortune of growing up, you know, near New York City, uh, uh, and and listening to what was literally the beginning of rock and roll, which was Alan Freed, and he brought it from Cleveland to New York City. So I heard. That's Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis, Chuck Berry, you know, I, I mean, Smokey Robinson. I, I mean, I, it was unbelievable. And we didn't have, they didn't have any way to enhance those vocals. They didn't have auto-tune or, you know, they had the, what, four tracks? So I, I was very fortunate to grow up in that environment. Yeah. Um, you, uh, you wrote a book. Uh, tell me the, tell me the, the thought process behind 
putting your your <laughs> version of what happened uh, out? Was was that what it was? Exactly, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what happened. We we were doing this Broadway thing uh, called Once Upon a Dream, which uh, Steve Van Zandt put together for us to do, and we had press conferences. And I noticed that every one of us certainly had a different answer for the same question. You know, and I said, wait a second. You know, I think seriously, someone should write this down because otherwise. It's last man standing, you know, <laughs> and that started the process. And then I realized, as you said earlier, I only was was with the rascals maybe five or six years, five years the most. And uh, what about the rest of my life? I've been here quite a few years. <laughs> maybe I should jot jot that down as well. <laughs> That's um, how that happened. Uh, the, the the rascals is obviously a very fond memory. But what 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 to you has been the pinnacle of 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 your career to date, Felix? Well, you know, there's been so many. Uh, yeah, I'll bet. The most recent one, I think, was uh, I was able to do my music at the Nashville Symphony. You know, I had the charts written out for 75 people. That was amazing because I started in that world. And, boy, I, I, I really, really enjoyed this. And, uh, you know, the, uh, Frankie Valley, who does this all the time with symphonies, he said, you're not going to want to go back. You know, and he's right. Boy, I loved it. Yeah. What uh, what what is left that you want to do that you haven't done apart from coming to Australia, Felix? Yeah, I'd really like to do that. I, I really like to continue making music. I, I'd like to do another uh, Then and Now album. I, I really really enjoy doing that yeah. because uh, you know just to be a, just to get a chance to to to, to be uh, in a recording studio. Even though we did the majority of that in home studios, uh, there's something about that that agrees with me. You know, uh, of course. Then there's the second part of it, which you have to get it out there to the marketplace and you know show some sort of a break even or a profit. Yeah. But I, I like to continue. Continue that. I, I I like the creative, the the creative part of life. I think is very important. Are you still writing songs? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think you know. I, I guess you know, like when my dad retired, you know, he he missed his profession, and that's the part of the profession that I think I really really miss the most is is to create write songs and you know bring them into a studio and record them and hear them and. Wow, I like that one. Do you like that? You know, that that's that's something that uh, I think should never be taken away from from artists. As David Letterman used to say, there's no off switch on the genius button. Well, you know, I, I really feel that would be really, really like a a real dark day if we couldn't do that anymore. Yeah, exactly. No, go, keep on keeping on doing what you're doing because it's uh, right on, my friend. Yeah, it's uh, it's a joy to listen to. Uh, and as I said, those those rascal songs have travelled well. And uh, and uh, uh, then and now, not now and then, then and now is, is, <laughs> is a, it's a very good album too. Um, Thank you. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Uh, if, if you get the chance, come down because uh, there's a legion of fans here in Australia who I'm sure would love to see you. I am really going to make an effort to do that uh, because of the fact that uh, so many people have told me about the, the wonderful folks down under. I just recently saw Colin Colin Hayes, as a matter of fact. He was in town with Ringo. Yep. So uh, I'll take what, you up on was that. Colin in, was Colin in the Ringo band when you played with yeah, Ringo? Yeah. No, okay. no, no. No, he wasn't? No, he wasn't. Okay. Yeah, but uh, he was this. They came down here just recently, and uh, got a chance to say hello, which was a treat. Absolutely. No, it's been a treat for me to have a chat to you. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it, and I hope we do get to see you here. I appreciate it. I'll see you down under, mate. Good on you. Thanks, Felix. That was fantastic. Thank you so much. 
I enjoyed every moment of it. Thank you. Good. See Good you later. Thing. Thank you. Cheese. Bye. One of those great songs that still sounds fantastic on the radio and we're going to finish the uh, the show this week when we get to the end with the mm-hmm. Divinals version of a Rascals song and it is bloody brilliant. It's a great uh, Divinals song that everyone knows but you might not know that it actually was originally recorded by the Rascals. So we'll, well you've got, we'll you've got me incredibly bemused. Yeah. I didn't realise the vinyls covered a rascal song. They did. Pat Benatar had a massive hit with um, uh, "You Better Run," which was a rascal song. Um, there's so oh. many, so many of their songs have been covered by other people, and uh, and they're just they're great songs. So I'll get to that Who later. Wrote all this? Who wrote them? Yeah, a lot of the early stuff. Uh, as Felix said in the interview, they found he found at different places. Uh, in you know, had been uh, R and B songs or or minor hits somewhere, and they got a hold of them and, and did them. But uh, Felix and uh, Eddie Brigatti wrote uh, wrote a whole lot of the uh, the actual original Rascals material. So it's good stuff. Good, good writers, yeah. All right, let's get to Jimmy Couples. Now, Jimmy's got a band called King Canyon, uh, and they're bloody good, uh, and we're going to have a talk to him about that and about, uh, of course, a lot of people would remember Jimmy from The Voice. Yes, that's right. Um, he, he, he was unusual for what The Voice normally um, serves up. He was probably the only, you know, what did you say? Who do you sing like? He sings like... Um, Ronnie James Dio is the one that, yeah, uh, Ronnie, that comes up, yeah. And... Um, it was it was quite refreshing to see him on the voice because they you know they normally all sound like theatre singers. And then he comes out with his rock god voice and um, <laughs> right. 
Yeah, well, let's, uh, and, and there's a bit of Led Zeppelin in there as well, and there's a bit of Led Zeppelin in this uh, in this chat that we have. Here he is, Jimmy Couples. All right. Now, now Jimmy, now, uh, King Canyon, mate, tell us uh, this was a band that would start, what, 2020? Yes, that's right. Started um, during lockdown, and um, James just, you know, called me up one day and said, hey, you know, we're not doing anything. And I'd only met him, like, once before. Um, and he said, oh, I just wanted to get a kind of a bluesy sort of voice on a track I'm writing. And so I, I, he sent it to me and I sang on it, sent it back to him straight away. And and then about a day later he said, man, I just love what you created over this blue, original blues idea. He said, why don't we do some more? And then it just we just enjoyed each other's company and we started writing songs and it didn't seem to sort of uh, be too hard to do it. So uh, it kind of launched its uh, way from there, you know. Well, the new single, I love it. I reckon it's fantastic. But I don't know a lot about the band. Can you tell me what the lineup of the band is, who wrote the song, and who produced it? Because I reckon it's really well produced. Yeah, Nick Dadia from uh, Brooklyn Studios. He's uh, quite a, a sort of a, a well known uh, producer, engineer. And um, James and I um, write Blacktop at his place. We were just jamming and and James came up with this really cool riff and and I just started singing no particular words in mind. I just did that and um and then we had a really nice cool, almost like a dazed and confused on verse and um sort of words and we worked it workshopped it together lyrically and uh, we just loved it. When we got the boys, we got um, Hayden Megan on drums and Kit, Kit Riley on uh, bass guitar. We got them over to the house and we just sort of jammed it out and it just felt instinctively good and natural. Yeah, it's it's what I like about it is that what you're doing, nobody else is doing. It's um, To me it sounds very, uh, you know, from the era of Deep Purple and um, even a little bit of glam rock in there a little bit too, but it sounds to me very hit 70s hard rock sort of thing and um, and your vocals are just perfect for that. Like what sort of a range do you have? Because you do the deep stuff effortlessly and then you go up about 15 octaves. What kind of range do you have? <laughs> it's it's a little weird, my range, because I grew up in Scotland with, um, you know, come out here when I was just about four and mum and dad were singers and my mum had a voice like Shirley Bassey and my dad had a voice like Tom Jones. And I don't know, just growing up around it, I was copying my dad half the time and trying to copy my mum. And in the process of doing that, something strange happened to my vocal cords. <laughs> you sing like Shirley Jones. From <laughs> <laughs> the Partridge family. <laughs> like the mother in the Partridge family. <laughs> well, people do call me a mother quite often. Uh... I hardly would have thought, you know, it's, it's it's really refreshing that somebody says, look, my biggest inspiration is um, Shirley from the Partridge family. I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jimmy, now you did the voice, didn't you? Yeah, did the voice in 2012. Oh, is it that long ago? It was the wow. first show. Yeah, it was the first show to come to Australia, the first, uh, uh, very, very first show, and I was actually the very first singer 
to walk on the stage. It didn't air like that. It was going to air like that, but they decided to put me um, at the end with Carice Eden because they thought our voices would have built the show up uh, towards the end because we both kind of in their eyes had big voices and she certainly has, that's for sure. But um, that was the the great thing I remember about it and Keith Urban always says to me, he said, Jimmy, one thing you did pull off was you were the first guy um, to walk on stage on The Voice, you know. Oh, yeah. So that was a great time, great memory. I take it you, because uh, I, I didn't see who you went, I watched your uh, performance. Who did you go with? You went with Keith, did you? Yeah, I, I went with Keith and I, I just thought that he um, was probably closer to my age, therefore he might have known a bit about the sort of style of music that I, I, I like uh, rather yeah. than Joel because um, Joel was sort of a different type of guy uh, musically, but who knows? You just never know who, you know, would have taken you further or farther. But um, I don't know, but um, Keith is certainly a great guy and he spoke about Ronnie James Dio quite a bit. And ah. um, yeah. I was quite embarrassed because I'd never heard of um, Ronnie and and I, I should have, which is terrible. But and then I googled googled him and I heard the butterfly ball. <laughs> yeah. and I went, wow, what a voice, you know. So it was a compliment, that's for sure. Oh yeah, look, there's not many people like Ronnie James Dio is a really good comparison to your voice, but um, there's not many people that can sing like that anymore. And I love all of the um, the seventy sort of heavy metal, you know, the tails that sort of go up. I think they're really cool. It's like, you know, real Robert Plant sort of yeah. <laughs> 70 sort of stuff, but it, it's yeah. really good, really good. Oh, so you're going to tour with the band or? Yes. Um, we've, um, we were lucky enough uh, with King Canyon to get on the Cool World Tour um, with Ross Wilson and, and the Bad Loves, two of, you know, my favourite bands and songwriters. Um, so that was great learning ground for the band to get out there um, supporting those guys and being in front of pretty fair-sized audiences at the festivals and giving our songs a run live, you know, and because you don't know how, you know, you don't know how relatable you are to the audience until you start playing your uh, material. So that that gave us a really good opportunity to to know if we sucked or if we were any good. <laughs> so yeah, and we're looking. At I'm more- assuming you didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, it went down really well. So yeah, we're looking forward to touring more of King Canyon after the uh, Led Zeppelin unleaded uh, show. Tell us about that. Well, it's um it's an interesting um, show because we're paying homage to. Uh, Plant and Page from the uh, 94 when they toured the No Quarter. They went all around the world with their uh, Egyptian um, uh, orchestra and um, with percussion and strings and everything. And it was it was really cool because it allowed them to do songs that didn't quite relate well live with Led Zeppelin. Four Sticks they'd played a few times, only really probably about three times in Led Zeppelin, and it didn't really come across the same. It didn't have that beautiful sound that it did on on the album. So that's why probably why they didn't play that a lot. Um, and Friends, they didn't do much. Um, and Hey, Hey, What Can I Say? What Can I Do? Um, they didn't play that one too much as well. So it gave us as the listeners and as the fans the opportunity to hear songs that we really hadn't heard them do live. 
So um, that's what we're, we're going to really do. We're going to do songs from that. We're not going to do, um, or it'd be great to be able to do all their songs, but we just don't. We want to stick true to the uh, what we're trying to do, and that's um, pay homage to, the, to 1994 okay. and not do Stairway and not do Black Dog and not do, and not do the typical songs that, um, you know, the others do and, you know, not not necessarily doing the songs that uh, they did in '94. That, that's really what this is about: bringing those songs. Tangerine. That's the way. You know, of course, there'll be Cashmere and there'll be um, yes. Over the Hills and Far Away and all that cool stuff as well. You know. Yeah. Whereabouts are these shows? Do they go in like little theaters or just you know play in the clubs and stuff? What's what's yes. the plan? Yes, we're going uh, uh, all around um, Australia, and it's all theatre um, shows that we're doing. Yep. But it's probably about fifteen or sixteen shows, um, yep. and then we'll, you know, concentrate on getting back to King Canyon because we really do enjoy that. But, and all uh, those all those dates are on the King Canyon uh, website if you want to check out right. those yes, dates. So are. check that one out. Yeah. Now, is there an album that the, the King Canyon album that you either in the midst of doing or working on or writing or? Yes, well, yeah, um, we, we're really just probably going to keep releasing singles and LPs. Um, you know, it's a, it's a dream of mine to have an album, you know, but that sort of stuff just didn't seem to come my way or I didn't make it happen when I was younger. But I would really like to, to have an album, but um, they just seem like something that's a little dated now and yeah, people don't yeah, tend to be putting them out unless you're a big, well-known artist a well-known name you know so we'll just put keep pushing out our singles and 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 keep the momentum going you know well it's gonna be hard to top uh black top this one. Yep. is the next one as good do you reckon <laughs> i gotta tell you this my favorite one is a song called run rabbit run um and we wrote it pretty much at the same time and it's 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 kind of like Blacktop. It's got that real ballsy guitar riff right yeah. through it. And, you know, so there's some pretty I, – I tend not to sing as high as I can. I don't want to make life hard live for myself. So I'll, I, I won't go too crazy um, when I'm recording, but I do it – I might go a bit nuts when I'm singing live, but on recordings I don't like to make things too, you know, too too high vocally because I think you just got to make life hard for yourself. You've got to go out there and do it. And some nights you've had too much booze the night before, <laughs> and it's just impossible. I sometimes I go out there and I, I sound more like a Joe Cocker, which is great, but it's not going to get me up to those nights. So yeah. I kind of make things easy for myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah, good thing. thing is like. Um, he says, you know, like Dale Braithwaite, he's got to sing that big note in horses. You know, he's 75 or whatever he is. And, you know, John Farn, I'm at to be better than everybody else. A lot of pressure on them, and they sing really high. Because mm. Glenn Showick says, all of my songs are pretty low. So no, no effort for me. So, sort of, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, it's not hard at all because I never sang really high. So I, I kind of get what, you, what you're saying. Yeah. That's right, and a lot of the, um, the the guys that did sing really high, <laughs> they they don't do it anymore, and they can't. But obviously, you know, people like John, kind of a bit of a freak, John. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. Now, incredible. Jimmy, you're you're Pete's cousin, Peter Couples' cousin. Yes, Peter Couples is my my cousin, but we didn't realise that until um, 
probably about 26 years ago. I just was singing at this place in Chapel Street one day and he walked in and heard me sing Roxanne and um, by the police and and he said, uh, "What? I like your voice. What's your name? I said, oh, Jimmy Couples. He said, did your mum and dad sing down in Williamstown at an old pub called the Britannia Hotel? I said, yeah, since I've been, you know, come to Australia when I was four or five, they were doing that. And um, he said, well, my parents were, were played instruments, piano and violin, and come over to the house one day and we got together and we researched the family um, tree and discovered we were four generations removed. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but I we get along really great. We're great, great friends. Hey, Jimmy. Well, congrats on the on the on Blacktop. We we love it. We think it's fantastic. We're gonna play it. Uh, so uh, we thank you for being on our show and uh, and uh, wish you all the best and hope to see and hear much more of King Canyon in twenty twenty four. Oh, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Brian. It's um it's really nice to be on your show. We really appreciate it. Thank well, you. We appreciate you coming on our show and good luck with the. Uh, uh, unleaded Led Zeppelin show. That sounds great. Yeah, that sounds great. Be good. Yes, going to be fantastic. Thefuturefactory.com.au if you want tickets. But uh, yeah, no, thank you guys. Appreciate it. Good on you, Jimmy. Uh, Thanks, mate. See thank you, guys. You. that song that we talked about at the start of the show that's blacktop that is a bloody good song yes yeah that's a ripper um 
Yeah, it's, it's sort of like a 70s thing. It's sort of, it's, it's, I don't know, I love it. I think it's great. Yep, no, really good song. And as uh, Jimmy said in that interview, they've got others and he thinks they're even better. So check out uh, their website. The uh, website also has all the details of those Led Zeppelin shows we talked about, the dates when they're on, and also the King Canyon live dates when uh, when they're back playing live too. So check it out. Very good band. Always happy to support uh, good new Australian bands who are rolling around the place because at one stage, Brian, that was you and your boys. Yes, it was, and uh, we were lucky. We had Countdown and we had Sounds and we had... Radio. You know, radio that played your records, um, which I don't think any of that happens anymore, so... If we can help them, so we should. Bloody oath. So uh, check that out. It is uh, King Canyon's the name of the band. Blacktop is the name of that particular song. And as you mentioned, they'll be uh, putting out a whole lot of singles over the next 12 months or so. Now, they're going to finish with the Divinals doing a, uh, a a Rascal song. Uh, it's a Rascal song called Ain't Gonna Eat Out My Heart Anymore, which was uh, a Divinals crowd favourite. I know we're going to play the live version huh? of it or a bit of the live version of it. So it's, a, it's an old Rascal song. And it also allows me to say, uh, because we're playing Chrissy Amphlett, that in coming shows, in one of the coming yeah. episodes, we have Chrissy's cousin, first cousin on the show. We do. Little Patty. Little Patty Amphlett. Uh, yeah. Uh, who's just a delight and a woman who's done so many things and uh, uh, such great work with the Vietnam veterans uh, over the years as well. Um, so we're going to catch up with Little uh, Patty. Ev, go on. She's got an Order of Australian medal. Yes. Get on. <laughs> Everybody's got one, Kev. Yes. Everyone. Well, not everyone. Dinah Lee hasn't got one because she's a Kiwi. Uh, she's going she's gonna <laughs> to join us on the show. Doesn't. No, she doesn't have one. No, but obviously an oversight. Graham Nash doesn't have one either, and he's going to be joining us in uh, in a future episode. And well, I, he's not. Australian either. No, he's not. Funny thing is he's English and lives in America and votes in America these days. And I know who definitely hasn't got a, an OAM. Who would that be, Kev? Greg Brady. Oh, that's killing me, that one. Barry I Williams have, is going to join us. Yeah, I had to get up at in the morning to talk to him and I slept in. I missed it. Spewing. And it was good and he's great and he's a, he's a lovely fella and uh, tells some great stories about all sorts of different things that uh, we covered in the half an hour or so that I had a chat with him. So we'll bring that to you in uh, in a coming episode too. Might be the next one. Not sure. We'll see how it pans out. So uh, there's some of the people that are coming up on, on The Life of Brian. Thanks to our very good friends at Murcotts, Brian. One three hundred triple five five seven six. Get yourself driving safely. One three hundred triple five five seven six. And let's finish with the Divinals and their version of the Rascals song. Brian, take easy. Uh, look after yourself, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thank you, Kev, and uh, all my love to the family and uh, everybody else. Keep on rocking. So that's why. So that is why. I ain't. I ain't gonna eat out my heart
I'm not afraid. 